So I watched a video recently by Gator Goat Johnny where he talked about the, as he quote put it, the lovey-dovey stuff in MLP. And he did touch upon the fact that Lauren Faust, through, I guess, various sources, um, had come out when she first started the show and essentially didn't, didn't want to have any kind of like romance implemented in there, especially with the main characters. But, as he mentions in the video, some rules, even the th- rule of thumb, are meant to be broken. And we kind of saw that here in the show. There is no doubt about that. I mean, essentially, from the very first episode when Spike went gaga over Rarity when he first saw her, yeah, I think we can essentially, you know, easily say that the rule was broken right then and there. Um, I don't think there's no, you know, denying that. I don't think there's no denying that, you know, whatsoever, that the rule was, you know, broken right then and there. However, when we get, you know, when we get down to it, if you will... I think essentially throughout the entire series run, it's very notable that the rule got broken in many ways. And not just, you know, what background characters or secondary characters and all that. I mean, we saw it get broken essentially when we first started seeing the interaction of Lyra, of Lyra and Bonbon. Let's be honest there. As soon as that interaction happened, it's like, boom, you know, rule broken, even if you didn't believe it at that time. You know, stuff like, and and there's other stuff like that as well. I mean, the little uh, hints of Derpy and, you know, Muffins, if you will, and Dr. Hooves and Slice of Life. I mean, come on. I mean, stuff like that, it's like, really, you're just, you're just trying to ignore the inevitable or ignore, you know, the, the truth, if you will, in the matter. But as time went on, of course, as we would see in future se- in uh, future seasons, you know, romance would be added in. I mean, when Megan McCarthy came on board or to take Lauren Faust's place, you know, and then Cole Dubuque took over, you know, Megan's, it's like pretty much that rule was thrown out the window. There is no doubt about that. You know, you know, um, even. Even when Larson was on there as a writer, and uh, some of the other like Teresin and all them, they they basically took that rule, you know that all oh, that rule of thumb that Lauren Faust reportedly wanted to to try to keep, you know, uh, as a part of the show, and said, yeah, that ain't gonna work because how is the show supposed to progress if you're not going to have some kind of romance in there with either the main characters or the secondary characters, or at least hint at the fact that there's something there within the main core cast. Within the main core cast. You, know, you know, what kind of a show will you have? Not a very good one, you know, in their minds. So, honestly, that's why we got what we did. Now, you know, now Johnny basically in the video... Uh, broke this down into different categories, like the obvious, you know, couples that we were going to get, like with Shining Armor and, and and Cadence, to the story-driven couples, like with Pear Butter and Bright Mac and Big Mac and Sugar Bell and, and so on. You know, and even characters that you think, you know, would not be involved in romance because, you know, them being, you know, around and, you know, around, not just being around for, you know, so long, but also being presented the way they were. You know, he even touched upon characters like Mod Pie getting, to get, uh, getting together with Mud Briar and everything. 
And you even touched upon, in a category, the fan ships, which when I look at something like, let's say, Spike and Rarity, that's a ship that essentially you know, could be looked at as a combination of two categories, the fan ship and essentially, I think he called it the inevitable ship or something like that, the inevitable category. Like, yeah, these are going to be touched upon and even discussed, you know, depending on, you know, when the show would end, like with Applejack, you know, and uh, Rainbow Dash and so on. And, you know, you knew inevitably it was going to happen. I kind of look at the fact that Spike and Rarity fall into that category of not just, you know, I guess you could say obvious, but they also fall into the inevitable and fanship. The obvious because of the fact that no matter how hard you try to, you know, hide it or, you know, try to twist it a different way, you know, you know, in, you know, you know, in some shape or form, you know, that or presentation, it's obvious from the fans' perspective from watching the show, reading the comic, even merchandise itself, that these two are going to be together. These two are pretty much connected, you know, by the hoof and tail or by the wing and the hoof, you know, to be, you know, something more than friends. And then, of course, you, took it, you take a look at the inevitable, and when you look at things like the final season, especially Best Gift Ever that was after Season 8 and leading into Season 9, yeah, that was pretty much somewhat in the inevitable category of, yeah, this was going to happen, we just didn't know when. And then, of course, you take a look at the fanships, and again, these are, you know, and again, the reason it falls into this category, I should say, it's because basically, you know, fans, you know, even though they didn't get like a true concrete confirmation at the end of the day, they will use their fanships. They will use their, um, you know, their writing skills, their creative skills, you know, artistically and animation wise to make it a reality. You know, I meant, you know, I talked about George Gaza a couple of weeks ago, you know, for Valentine's Day. He did an animated adaptation of a comic that came out like during the early days of the show called No Excuse of the Heart. And the way he kind of adapted it, you know, not just seen by seen by word, word for word, is he adapted it, you know, kind of updated it, if you will, to where essentially you could, you know, if you want to look at it from an official standpoint, even though it's a fan creation, you know, you could place it in between Dragon Dropped and, you know, Last Problem. You could essentially squeeze it in there because, uh, you know, because of the fact of, you know, not only do you look at it and could almost mistake it for official animation, but you look at it, you know, as you know, in the like I said, in a, in the way that is presented. Like this is kind of like a fan's way of answering, you know, the question of okay, did they become an item? And you know, from this, you know, interpretation, the answer would be yes. The and the answer would be yes through this fan's creativity. You know, it would be you know it would be a yes. And then if you want more evidence from an official standpoint, Hasbro basically has. You know, a whole a video dedicated to what they call Rarity and Spike's love story. And also the fact that when you really get down to it, you really get down to it, they wouldn't be throwing in all these subtle hints and moments throughout the final seasons, despite whether it was Megan McCarthy in charge and Nicole Dubuque in charge, they wouldn't be throwing in all these subtle hints and moments 
you know, these and, and scenes, if you will, with them together, if they weren't trying to imply that, yeah, maybe, maybe there was something between them, but they couldn't do anything beyond what they were, you know, given, you know, the permission or given the okay to to present. And that's again where that third category, which it, you know, it kind of falls under, comes into play. That being the fanship category. And you know, even the fanship category includes things like Fluttercord, you know, Fluttershy and Discord. I mean, why do you think you know Disney Fanatic did Bride and Bride of Discord and Daughter of Discord? Because she saw the potential of them being more than just you know friends, you know, at the you know in the long run, like potentially they could be more. And you know, the the open ended. Um, answer or open-ended moment that we got in Last Problem pretty much, you know, really gives the ball to the fans and say, hey, look, look at this, you know, how are you going to, you know, exp- how, how, how are you going to explain this, you know, how do we explain this, basically, and, you know, that's up to the fans to look at, that's up to the fans to look at. The thing I'm getting at, the thing that I'm trying to get at here when I, you know, looking back at this video and talking about it is... At the end of the day, I have to agree with Johnny. I have to agree with Gator Go Johnny. You know, it's not, at the end of the day, romance, you know, depending on how it's presented and how it's categorized and everything and what characters are involved, you know, in that situation, you know, they, you know, romance can be done, you know, justifiably in a show and not hold it down. Especially, like I said, if it's, you know, especially, like I said, depending on how it's, you know, presented and what characters are involved and, like, what categories are touching upon. Like, you know, one of the categories he talked about was story-driven. You know, story-driven, you know, romances and all that. And, again, you know, he touched upon, you know, Bright Mac, Pear Butter, you know, Big Mac, Sugar Bell as prime examples of these are romances that had good stories behind them, had development, and when they had the culmination, guess what? It didn't bog the show down. It helped improve it. It got people's attention. I mean, I guarantee you after the Perfect Pair episode, um, the Perfect Pair episode, excuse me there, uh, you know, aired in season seven, I guarantee you fans that were kind of still doubtful uh, about watching the series and supporting it, all of a sudden, I guarantee you, probably started catching up on the show from season one up to that episode, and then continued on from there. I guarantee you that's probably what happened. I'm not saying it did, but again, the way the story was presented in its culmination all within one episode, pretty much, to me, set the table for any new fans that were still doubtful and still questioning whether or not they should, so they should support the show. It pretty much, I think, you know, sealed the deal for them to be like, okay, we're going to support this show. We're going to go forward with the show, you know, and, and give it, you know, our full undivided, you know, you know, undivided attention. Because if it's giving us stories like this that are good, then we, there's no doubt we got to get, you know, we got to give it our full support. You know, and, and that's something that he brings up. I mean, because out of that, what did we get? Almost not even that long after, what did we get out of, out of that? The beginning of the Big Mac, Sugar Bell, um, I, guess, tr- I guess you could say trilogy of episodes. You know, the three-chapter you know, three story, if you will, between them, which culminated in the final season with the both of them getting married. 
So, yeah, you know, I do agree that romance, if done right and presented right, doesn't have to, you know, bog a show down. In fact, it can improve it. I mean, come on. When you look at a lot of the most notable animated films or live action films out there, you cannot tell me that neither one of them has had romance as a part, you know, of its story, you know, to the point... Uh, to the point that that romance doesn't bog this movie down, but it helps elevate it because of the characters involved. You cannot tell me that there is not one animated or live-action movie that doesn't have that, you know, kind of uh, situation where the romance, like I said, you know, like I said, doesn't bog it down, but helps improve it. You can't tell me there's not one out there because there's plenty and a lot of notable notable ones um, as well. I mean, here's the and here's here's the prime example of that too when it comes to other shows. All right, you know, one of the videos I did, one of the fan vids that I did for Valentine's Day this year uh, was, you know, it featured the song "If I Didn't Love You" by uh, Carrie Underwood and Josh Allen. I think that's his name. Hold on. Sorry about that. Uh, but like I was saying, you know, let me give you some other prime examples. Um, as I mentioned, I did a uh, fan vid for Valentine's Day a couple of weeks ago. And it was a, it featured a song, If I Didn't Love You, by uh, Carrie Underwood and Josh Allen. I think that's his name. That did, did this nice duet uh, of a song that I've heard since I started working at Target last year. And basically, I decided, you know, long ago that I was going to do a fan vid with that, uh, with that song, a PMV or fan vid. So what I did is I did a complimentation fan vid uh, featuring, you know, three romantic couples. So three couples that are very well known and utilized when it comes to fan projects. You know, MLP-wise, Spike and Rarity. Um, Sonic the Hitchhog-wise, Sonic and Sally from Archie Sonic and Sonic Sally M. And then probably the more surprising one, Bert Raccoon and Lisa Raccoon from the Raccoons. And just to let you know, those two are not related. You know, they are not. But the point that I'm getting at, point that I'm getting at, is I want as I went and did that because I saw each of them, you know, from a, you know, each of them as romantic pairings that were right for each other, despite how you might feel about one or the other. And one of them that I utilized, like I said, like I said, was probably the most surprising one was Bert and Lisa. Because you see, it's basically implied, you know, not just from her debut in season four in the episode Spring Fever, but her return in season five and her return as now an ongoing character. It was pretty much implied and, you know, hinted at and teased at times that there was going to be something more between Bert and Lisa. And honestly, you know, we kind of got the, I guess you could say, will they, won't they, oh, I wouldn't say will they, won't they vibes, but we kind of got those vibes of, okay, they're going to break up, you know, there's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be anything there anymore, kind of thing with the final episode, go for the gold. You know, we kind of got those vibes. You know, we did, but thankfully it didn't last long. It was just like a brief little you know, rivalry vibe that could have, you know, ended poorly, but it didn't. But what we got, you know, doing this, though, was essentially the fact that, well, Kevin Gills, who, you know, did the show, you know, created the show, 
Um, I, I don't think he wrote the scripts or anything, but, you know, he pre- pretty much Kevin Gills here, or through, you know, basically courtesy of Kevin Gills, uh, basically the final episode at the end, you know, at the end of it, when Bert, who won this triathlon because Lisa, who was basically a strong favorite to win it, got cheated out of that victory by by this uh, muscle-bound dude whose father was just a con artist and his, he was in on it. Uh, basically, Bert ends up winning the the race, and instead of keeping the medal, you know, like maybe in the past he typically would, he ends up mailing it to Lisa, declaring her as the rightful winner. And you know, she's surprised by it, and the way she says "thank you, Bert, thank you," and then walks back into the house. That to me, and I mentioned this in a video not that long ago. You know, this, that to me was an indication that, you know, Kevin Gills or the writing crew through Kevin Gills was dropping a subtle hint that maybe Bert and Lisa were going to be finally become more. Because the way she says thank you and everything, heck, the way she encourages him to, you know, keep going and be the one that wins this thing, you know, after she gets taken out. Those, to me, especially the end, were very subtle hints of, you know, leaving it not only open-ended, but putting it in the fans, you know, hands, putting it in, putting it in their hands, if you will, even as early as then, you know, you know, you know that was, you know, their way of, you know, kind of, you know, hinting, and like I said, keeping it open-ended and giving it to the fans, like, hey, you come up with this scenario, what do you think happened? That was their way of kind of, in my opinion, suggesting that, you know, Bert and Lisa became more. And a lot of fans, believe it or not, through fan fiction, through fan animations, through fan art themselves, have pretty much followed through on that. And whether or not, the, as, long as, as long as Forever movie would have happened or not, which was supposed to be a raccoons film, you know, I think one of the comeback attempts, if you will, whether or not that happened or not, or whether or not that was going to be a reality or not, I would not be surprised if not only did that take place in the continuity of the show, but that maybe in that film we would have gotten some kind of official, um, I guess you could say uh, official, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Official alluding to the fact that Bert and Lisa may become an item. Maybe even seen it on screen. We don't know. But again, like I said, go for the gold. You know, it's ending. You know, it's ending and all that, as well as, you know, Lisa encouraging Bert the way she did. To me, that was just, you know, the way of wrapping it up and kind of throwing out that hint of, yeah, these two pretty much could have probably, you know, more than likely ended up together. But because we didn't get like a full like answer or anything, it, like I mentioned before, with Dragon Dropped, you know, I think I mentioned that earlier, you know, with Spike and Rarity, you know, how that pretty much that ending left things open-ended, if you will. Same with, you know, Goal for the Gold. It left things open-ended and mostly for the fans to interpretate, you know, over time, you know. You know, and again, this is as early as 1991 that this happened. So, yeah, and, and, so yeah, basically, this also is an example of one of those. Um, I, I guess you could say one of those uh, situations, basically, 
to where, hold on for a sec. Again, it's an example of one of those situations that Johnny mentioned earlier in his video when he categorized it. It's one of those, um, you know, it basically falls under that category, uh, several categories of fanships. It falls under the category of, what did I call it earlier? Falls under the fanship of, you know, falls under the category, I should say, of fanships, of, you know, undeniable, basically inevitable. And somewhat official, just like with Spike and Rarity and many others, that you knew inevitably, you know, that something could, something romantic was going to happen between the two, that uh, in a way, officially, they kind of hinted at it happening, in, in, from my opinion, and from a fan perspective, you know, it was left, you know, open-ended to the fans to continue the story and see what went from there. And again, that's a prime example of those kind of ships being used in just that one episode in those few moments that I mentioned, those few scenes in the f- series finale. You know, and heck, when it comes to inevitable and official, you know, I go back to the other ship I used in that fan video a month ago, and that's, you know, Sonic and Sally. Everybody knew. From the first episode, the pilot, heads or tails, from the first issue, you know, even the testing three-part miniseries issue, you know, that they did back in late 92, early 93. And again, like I said, the official comic debut in the spring of 93, and basically the debut of the show, the Saturday M cartoon, in, uh, in the fall of 93, which, believe it or not, both have been 30 years ago, both celebrating 30 years this year, believe it or not. Uh, everybody pretty much knew from the very first time they saw these characters interact, you know, and talk, and play off each other, you know, people knew inevitably they're going to end up together, you know, in an official capacity. And guess what? In the comics, they ended up together numerous times. In the cartoon, many moments, many scenarios, you know, and all that, pretty much, you know, showcased it was going to happen. And guess what? Guess what? From an official standpoint, it did at the end of Doomsday. So, you know, that's a prime example of, again, two categories being utilized. The inevitable and undeniable and the official. You know, because you knew it was going to happen, you know, you know, it was, you know, you were undeniable about it and you knew it was inevitable. You knew it was going to happen and you knew it was going to be an official, you know, uh, romance that, you know, Sega was behind or Sega helped make a reality. So the thing is, when it comes to romance lovey-dovey in shows like MLP or any shows, period, even MLP G5 now, if they go that route down the line, you know, as long as it's utilized in a way that doesn't, as, you know, people, as Johnny puts it, bog down the show, like Lauren Faust was af- afraid it might, then, you know, there's no reason not to utilize it, especially if it's utilized correctly. But, you know, in the end, in closing, I do agree that if you use it, if you use something like this correctly and don't basically be make it, you know, all girly and like, ooh, lovey-dovey-dovey kind of stuff like that and, oh, kissy-kissy kind of stuff. No. If you don't utilize it in that manner, you know, and you do it in a way that's more, you know, tolerable, more understanding, more like, yeah, I get it, and it helps things, you know, flow in and out with the story. If you do it that way, especially with the right characters and story behind it, it's going to help the show. It's going to help the movie, you know, grow 
and probably become you know more popular in the long run you know and more more of a, a iconic classic than I think you would expect or anybody would expect so yeah I do agree romance lovey-dovey stuff if you will do does have a place especially if it's utilized correctly but what do you guys think let me know down below in the comment section as well as in the live chat during the premiere like the video also check out my teespring store by clicking on the end screens icon in the upper left hand corner to check out from check out stuff there for you know that you can't get anywhere else also support me at venmo at brian-walmer-2 and at cash app at bwrosses98 also, check me out at patreon.com at bwrosses for the $1, $3 tier. Also, support me at Vimo at bwrosses for content you can't get here, here or anywhere else, especially for content I just uploaded there. So, check it out when you get a chance. Also, ladies and gentlemen, check me out at divanot.com. That's bvw1979. And until next time, let me know what your thoughts are. I will provide the video link to his video. To uh, get to get a goat, Johnny, Ani. Uh, well, you talked about the lovey dovey. I'll provide it, you know, at the end here, at the end screen. And until next time, I'll talk to y'all later.